mystery in five songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Um, okay, so this is episode 218. I'm calling this Hair Metal Wins by 70s Bands. So I wanted to, uh, I like this uh, episode because it is a, a history again. I like when these ones like kind of lay out a history, remind us of, of what happened at a certain time. Uh, and this is a happy episode because, like I say, I'm calling it Hair Metal Wins by 70s Bands. Um, you know, I'm doing this uh, to uh, to show the uh, abstractness of success. This, this, you know, all of these examples that we're going to talk about here had varying degrees of success in the hair metal years. So, yeah, by definition, what we're talking about here is bands that started in the 70s and what did they get up to in the 80s when hair metal hit. So most of these are, well, actually all of these are hard rock bands of the 70s uh, that you would uh, suppose might participate or not in hair metal. Um, they did. Um, and again, to varying degrees, when I get to the honorable mentions, I'm going to mention a few that, you know, are, uh, are bands that maybe you wouldn't expect would participate, but sort of participated, uh, in a way, but, uh, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. So, so what I like about this is just this idea of celebrating, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, this is part of your past. This is part of your story. Embrace it after the long wash of history. Uh, you know, these songs are still played and celebrated. Um, there's a, there's a different slight of the demographic than people who grew up in the 70s you know there are people who grew up in the 80s who are are celebrating this as nostalgia that is really old now uh, already um so so yeah let's uh let's get into it and, and we'll uh, again celebrate the different ways that i think these particular five acts uh navigated the hair metal years take a listen to our first one here this is alice cooper with hurricane years i'm hanging on like a spy All right, so Alice Cooper, we've got him, uh, this is a song, a good sturdy song, good sturdy hair metal song uh, from Hey Stupid. So the interesting thing about Alice Cooper uh, navigating these hair metal years is that of course he almost died during the blackout years uh the drink the uh you know the uh what do they call those things speed balls uh you know crack cocaine he's he was like a pioneer in many things and he was even a pioneer in drugs uh as it turns out but no he made these these strange uh obscure kind of new wavy albums uh that didn't go anywhere that that weren't promoted um for warner brothers uh essentially then he almost died he goes away um he comes back from being like 100 pounds under 100 pounds or whatever um 
and he comes back, he gets a new record deal. So essentially, uh, he comes back with Constrictor in 1986. Now, now the interesting thing about Alice in the hair metal years is that he becomes kind of like the non-ironic version of, of Alice Cooper. He's just like, this is what I am. This is what it is. I'm giving you the greatest hits of my image. I'm giving you the greatest hits of my personality. And, um, as he likes to explain it, he's no longer the victim. Like the old, the old Alice Cooper, you know. And frankly, this is somewhat from being drunk on stage and just being overworked. But he said the old Alice Cooper had this, uh, you know. You, you look at the look that he was in, and like the stained unitard and all that. He had this uh, persona that was a little more complicated. He considered Alice to be a little bit of a victim. You know, like just just kind of out there in the wind being blown around um, a little bit of something to be bullied. Um, so when he comes back, you know, his narrative as he frames it, um, you know, as if we can't see it anyways. But Alice is such a great talker that he does frame it <laughs> that he comes back and says, this is this is a strong Alice. This is a this is a winner, Alice. It's almost like Kane Roberts is is the personification of this of this new Alice personality. So, yeah, we, we have these slasher metal years uh, that I like to call them uh, with Constrictor in 1986 didn't serve. Certifies he's he's on his new deal with MCA. Um, didn't certify, although it did go gold in Canada. Then we get raise your fist and yell, which also didn't certify but went gold in Canada. So these were bubbling under albums. People were talking about them. He was actually doing okay, uh, even though these records didn't certify. Then we get up to Trash in 1989, and he's right in there, you know, working with all the song doctors. The band is switching around. He's, he's got different members going around. It's all the LA scene sort of thing. Trash is a hit all over the world. It goes platinum in the States. And then Hey Stupid, which we played uh, this song off of, July 2nd, 1991, it goes gold. So he basically has a, uh, a good career uh, all up into this time. I just wanted to kind of go through, um, you know, to show you how hair metal-y Alice is. So... So hey, stupid. The the funny thing is, when you get up to Last Temptation, he's he's like now saying we have to try even harder and be a little intellectual. And there's a lot more work goes into that. But you know that that's up into the past hair metal years. Hey, stupid is still you know firmly in the hair metal years. And you look at you know the song credits on here. Hey, stupid is Alice Cooper, J. Ponte, V. Pepe, uh, Pepe, and B. Pfeiffer. Uh, Alice Cooper, J. Ponte, Pepe. Uh, Ponty, uh, Pe Ever Pfeiffer, Bullen, Keeling, um, Cooper, Petrelli, Pfeiffer, West. Uh, then we get Desmond Child showing up for Dangerous Tonight. We've got Dick Wagner coming back for Might As Well Be On Mars plus Desmond Child. Um, we've got Zodiac Mind Warp on Feed My Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Um, Hurricane Years, back to Ponty Pepe. Uh, you know, uh, Jim Valance makes a uh, an appearance on Die For You, along with Mick Mars and Nikki Six. Um, Dirty Dreams, Alice Cooper, Jim Valance is back for that one. Wind Up Toy. Um, we've got uh, uh, Alice, uh, Ponty Pepe, and Pfeiffer again. So again, um, you know, you you just see the whole the whole slice of life of what it's like to be a hair metal person. And again, what I what I like about this whole situation is. Um, Alice can now look fondly back over 30 years later on this second life that he got and this successful period. So he had this successful period with the band. He had a 
successful period as a solo artist in the 70s before, um, you know, substance abuse uh, absolutely took over his life. And then you've got this successful period here. And and what it does is he can look back fondly, uh, you know, in his 70s and 80s, hopefully, um, at having these this long, remarkable career of these of these these very successful periods. He didn't he didn't particularly sell a lot of records in the 90s or ever again. Um but there is the slingshot effect that you get from all this success that uh, that gives you a career now. So so when Allison goes when Alice goes and plays now, um, you know he he can basically um, you know lay out this super impressive history of all these different eras that he's participated in. So that's I, I think really cool. And again, you know you think of the Wayne's World, uh, you know being in that movie that was a big hit. I mean basically Alice was uh, was absolutely talked about he's the talk of the town he's he's a big star he's actually a bigger star and a bigger legend in the in the 80s and into the early 90s than even the record sales would uh, would indicate all right let's take a short break and we'll be right back Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, back again, episode 218, Hair Metal Wins by 70s Bands. Let's take a listen to our second selection, and we shall discuss. This is Aerosmith with Monkey on My Back. Monkey on my back. 
There you go. There's that. There's that complicated hair metal production uh, in the in terms of per, uh, percussion, where you can't really quite tell what's going on. What's Joey Kramer? What's programming? Um, you've got slide guitar. You know, one of the rare uh, bands that was allowed to live with slide guitar. Although there was, you know, go back to our old episodes. We got dirty hair metal. We got bluesy hair metal. Um, so Aerosmith is a big, big deal uh, in this whole situation. This is from Pump, September 12th, 1989. So Aerosmith's kind of a funny one because, um, you know, I'm planning, uh, you know, possibly to do, and and like, and like um, please don't go down the Facebook route and give all examples of this because I think I might make this a three-part episode thing. So just, just kind of leave it for now, guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I'm planning on doing... Um, basically uh hair metal fails by 70s bands and hair metal skips by 70s bands um and the skips one is really working out to be kind of an interesting episode but anyway so aerosmith's kind of a funny one in that um there's a there's a there's a strong skip element to to what they do but i do want to uh essentially include them in this wins because they were such an incredible commercial success and uh you know, as uh, as I had in a in an argument, a debate with a with a very smart music buddy of mine, Ralph Chapman. Um, you can see our Contrarians episodes we did together. He's 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 missed his calling. He really should be uh, making YouTube channel. I I keep telling him this all the time, but yeah, go go see our Shaken and Stirred, our Pete Towns and our Sticks, our Peter Gabriel two uh, episodes of Contrarians. Those those will blow your mind. Uh, but anyways, I, I was talking with Ralph one time, and and he in. He swears up and down Aerosmith was so much part of hair metal in terms of making hair metal. Um, and I argue that that um, they, they kind of smartly, uh, I mean, coolly and interestingly and admirably, uh, I think, when it comes to the actual songs, somewhat uh, sat it out and kept being, uh, you know, the great Aerosmith of the 70s, just slightly adjusted. But... Um, there are a lot of arguments. I get like the one that he brought up all the time. Is, what are you talking about? Love in an elevator with those O's and all that. And of course, the title of that song. And um, but yeah, you can add a lot of things uh, to to say that uh, you know they they completely participated in this whole thing, um, such as the song doctors, the Diane, you know, the, the Diane Warren and uh, and the whole uh, Jim Valance thing, and and Angel and the, and the 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 ridiculous power ballads, crazy and crying and all that stuff. Um, Janie's got a gun is is kind of like a smart uh, version of a ballad for them that goes back to uh, you see me crying and home tonight and and those kind of better ballads. Think of Joni's Butterfly, right? Um, they they are really good when they when they want to be, but uh, but they essentially get jerked around by the business, I think, too much and and fall into that. Stevens apparently uh, one of the guilty parties with the uh, with wanting to be this uh, schmaltzy hair, um, you know, balladic even obviously the country thing that he tried. Um, but essentially, so so let's look at the stats. So so rock in a hard place this is pre-hair metal 1982 uh but really really good album solid album but it kind of sets up this whole music it's a transition point album between uh the great legacy of aerosmith in the 70s and the legacy of van halen in the 70s and this idea of this uh connective tissue uh type 
uh, bands, uh, you know, keeping the heavy flame flying a little bit um, in America when there was a new wave of British heavy metal in over overseas. But you think of, you know, Night Ranger and Sammy Hager and these sorts of bands, even even Foreigner during this this uh, time. But anyway, so Aerosmith is in there with this album. Um, it uh, it is the the last for their deal with Columbia. It goes gold. Um, you know. Big, big substance abuse, switching out both guitars, but they still make a really, really good album, which just shows the, the skill and the class of Aerosmith as a as an organization when behind you know behind the curtains everything is chaos, but they deliver great product. Um, done with Mirrors, they tried to go back to basics for their first album with their Geffen deal. It's not really a success, but it certainly does not try to be a hair metal album. Although 1985, we're right in the thick of the hair metal years. It goes gold, um, just shows the power of Aerosmith. But you get to Permanent Vacation, and uh, you've got Bruce Fairburn producing. Um, you know, it's made in Vancouver. you got Mike Fraser on that, Little Mountain Studios. You know, go back to our Go to Vancouver and Try Harder episode. But um, again, uh, so this is a massive, massive success. Uh, it goes five times platinum. Um but you know, I look at the songs on here, and uh, the most hair metally things on here would I I would say would be Magic Touch. Um, you know, I really don't think Hearts Done Time is per- particularly hair metal. Ragdoll is a little hair metal where you go down that that stripper pole, you know, hard rock uh, idea. Simurai isn't particularly hair metal. I don't even think Dude Looks Like a Lady is particularly hair metal. St. John, definitely not. Hangman Jury, definitely not. Girl Keeps Coming Apart, not really. Angel, absolutely hair metal. Permanent Vacation, not particularly. I'm Down as a Beatles cover, and the movie is an instrumental. So not a particularly hair metal album, I I wouldn't say. Um, And the great thing about Pump is uh, it isn't either. Um, But yeah, so... Five times platinum, permanent vacation, pump, seven times platinum, get a grip, 1993, seven times platinum. So they're even carrying uh, essentially the hair metal party of their image in their image up all the way into 1993, which is arguably a year and a half after the death of hair metal. But pump in 1989 going seven times platinum, again, I don't think is a particularly hair metal album. Um, I would say Love in an Elevator is pretty close. The song we just played, not particularly, although you do get the, the vagaries of, uh, of, you know, a lot of production gloss put on Aerosmith. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Janie's got a gun. Sure. I guess you can include that in there. The other side, somewhat, um, you know, they, this is a band with, uh, with big choruses. Um, and like I say, a lot of production, a lot of weirdness on the drums. Um, my girl, not particularly don't get mad, get even. It's kind of funny. So, um, this one you would say not, um, but then you would say there's so much bluesy hair metal and dirty hair metal that when you get something like this, um, you know, or or perhaps Voodoo Medicine Man, even as well. Um, you 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 know, it, it's almost like Aerosmith is kind of in there as the grandfathers of bluesy and dirty hair metal. Well, I guess they they always were. We would have expected that. Even your Cinderella, L.A. Guns, but definitely your your Skid Row and your um, and your Badlands, that kind of thing. And then what it takes on here, yeah, that that absolutely fits as well. Um, but um, so 
depending on how much you think they are part of the hair metal thing and let's let's not not forget the fashion thing too aerosmith did not particularly succumb to that uh that thing either um you know their photo shoots are pretty understated you look at the pump one um they're just all wearing black um you know the hair is not a, a particularly crazy it's a great great shot of the band uh, but it's a timeless shot of the band too which is which is very cool um so yeah aerosmith uh, another absolute uh, success in this whole thing a uh what am i calling this episode again hair metal wins by 70s bands uh, let's take a listen to our third selection and discuss this is van halen with black and blue Okay, so the Van Halen situation. Um, this is a 70s band, but uh, but just barely a 70s band. We got a 78 album, a 79 album. Um, but yeah, they're they're firmly coming up. I mean, they're they're starting in 73, 74. Um, but yeah, you listen to that song, and that is absolutely stripper pole metal, stripper pole hard rock. It is it is true blue hair metal. So what happens with this band? This is from OU812, um, May 20th, 1988. So they kick off the hair metal years, arguably, with uh, with um, a Diamond album in 1984, January 1984. So you could almost call, you know, I've never really thought about it this way, but you could almost call, um, you know, with the stupendous success of 1984, maybe you want to call January 1984 ground zero for hair metal. We've, you know, obviously it has a complicated history that we've talked about in other episodes. But anyways, they kick it off with that. Uh, there's a notable change in the band for 5150, which goes six times platinum, 1986. Obviously, we lose David Lee Roth for Sammy Hager, but Sammy Hager almost comes in as um, as this freak of nature from the 70s and from that connective tissue era of the of the Midland Heartland rock uh, sort of uh, you know heavy John Mellencamp thing that he did with Sammy Hager, uh, you know certainly in the Geffen years. Um, so he comes into this as a, as an old guy from a long time ago, but he comes in as a a perfect sort of poster child for a '70s guy transitioning into um, you know a great hair metal situation. So this band. Um, Obviously, the hair metal-y things about this band are um, somewhat the look. You know, they try to keep it a little bit 80s new wavy with their look and not go particularly fully hair metal. So that's an interesting thing about Van Halen. They they think they're a cut above the rest. They're dressing a little more like Rush than they are like, like Poison, I suppose. Um, but... Um, but yeah, they've got that. They've got um, now lots and lots of keyboards. They've got these these absolutely gloopy syrupy sappy uh power ballads and uh quite interesting with with van halen it's a lot of them are up tempo so they're more like they're more like pop songs than they are ballads um but yes yeah, so that one goes six times platinum ou812 goes four times platinum um and that album of course is full of this sort of stuff as well just to go back to 5150 since i have these out, out i much must may as well mention them songs like good enough and best of both worlds are just such party metal songs and hair hair metal was all about partying uh love walks in 
and dreams are your ballads uh you've got your ott where metal bands try to or these hair metal bands try to try to show their metal cred so they play you know double bass fast things like get up um and why can't this be love is just an amazing amazing well-written poppy song but when you get into ou812 uh it just continues with the with the sort of um you know goofy party metal in cabo wabo uh finish what you started is is the whole um let's try to be Van Halen-esque from the past and Led Zeppelin-esque with the acoustic song. Let's show our blues roots, right? Um, But yeah, this black and blue is just gratuitously, like I say, stripper pole music. Um, AFU naturally wired, you know, fast, hard, rocky. Mine All Mine is is my favorite song on it. Source of Infection and Sucker in a Three-Piece are, again, these sort of like... Uh, kind of like uh, you know materialistic misogynist sort of hair metal things that that is you know become the reason why hair metal needs to die uh when it's love is is just one of your your crappy ballad type things um but yeah like i say they keep the party going as well by coming back with their try harder album for unlawful carnal knowledge and um you know i i think this is uh you're you're a little more into the even though with sammy hager you're always going to sound fairly hair metal um i do feel there's an admirable aerosmith quality to this album where they're where they're trying to be more uh heavy van halen um staying outside of the trends uh and i think a metaphor for that is is right now where where they're trying to trying to do it's it's kind of like their version of living on the edge which uh, you're going to get later right the the thoughtful uh, mellow song sort of thing um but yeah there's there's so much uh on this album that uh that goes to hair metal tropes again the the the, the sort of misogyny the party the hedonism the uh the materialism like i say always as well because sammy always wants you to know that he's a winner in this world right um so you get that a lot as well uh but yeah pound cake and and run around uh, you get um Things like uh, The Dream Is Over, again, trying to be a little thoughtful. Top of the World uh, is just more like like giddy, we are on top sort of thing. That's another thing about hair metal guys. They they always, they all wanted to sort of talk about how they're winning. So so anyways, uh, Van Halen, uh, yeah, uh, an interesting debate. Um, who do you think? Uh, let us know in the Facebook comments. Who do you think was the most successful of these 70s bands um, navigating this hair metal thing? I think uh, it's basically between Van Halen and Aerosmith, but we still have more to go. Take a listen to this. This is our fourth selection. This is Scorpions with Media Overkill. Okay, so here's an interesting case. I don't think this is a particularly successful band, but they are a band that smartly navigated the hair metal waters pretty well. Um, They kick the whole thing out with Blackout, which kind of sets up some of our hair metal tropes in the big epic uh, soft and loud sort of ballad kind of things. You know, you're no one one like you. 
uh, and 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 the beautiful pristine production you get from Dieter Dirk. So they're setting it up with Blackout. Like I say, it's pre-hair metal, super admirable album, probably their most creatively, uh, you know, appreciated album uh, all told, including the commercialism and the uh, the obscure ger- Germanicness, which there isn't much of on here. But uh, it's it's a good mix of everything. But when you get to uh, Love It for Sting, 1984. So this album goes. Um, goes three times platinum. I, I, I neglected to mention our, our media overkill is from Savage Amusement, right? So 1988. Um, I wanted to pick something obscure because as we get through, so we get Love at First Sting, uh, 1984. And I think here, um, they, they really sort of established their, um, their hair metal uh, bona fides uh, with uh, with songs like not songs like Rock You Like a Hurricane, which I think is a super successful, creative, interesting metal song. But the likes of Bad Boys Running Wild um, and Big City Nights, uh, mostly those ones, but also even the, the big ballad type things like uh, Still Loving You, which is their most massive song. Um, but you know, I, there's still some good creative stuff on here, like as soon as the good times roll and crossfire. But I think um, what signifies them as a hair metal band and uh, makes them a successful version of a hair metal band is Bad Boys Running Wild and Big City Nights. Um, now, when you get up to Savage Amusement, we know the big problems. They they succumb to the Def Leppard sort of thing. You know, the thing they're going through with Mutt Lang. They're going through it with Dieter Dierks. Um, the perfectionism thing. It takes them four years to get out the next record um so savage amusement comes out but uh sounds good it's pretty good people consider it a little bit of a a compromise or a cross between blackout and love at first sting i think it's a heavier album than love at first sting so 1988 um it goes platinum so they're still doing pretty well here um like i say it's produced by dieter dierks still um you, you look at some of the pictures around this time and they did have a ridiculous hair metal uh, approach to fashion, almost like a, a Soviet Russian, uh, you know, cluelessness as to what we're supposed to look like. Um, so they allowed the costume people to take over the, the um, wardrobe consultants and they look pretty ridiculous. Um, but um, the, the party essentially keeps going, you know, and that four year gap, you, you, you don't, you don't uh, sort of denigrate it that much because they're, they're off of a really big album. So they're they're getting in some really good touring during that time. But I think the reason that that we could call them a great success is because they come back with Crazy World in 1990, and it goes double platinum in the States. Um, I never really think of that album as that big. Uh, they've got Keith Olsen producing, who's who's like a big, you know, trademark hair metal kind of guy. Um, so that makes uh, makes sense. Um, but you know, so so they get through this whole thing, and they they do pretty well. If you if you think about it, platinum, triple platinum, platinum, double platinum. That's a, that's a really good run. Even though um, the narrative when we look back on Scorpions. Is, is that it was kind of all over after after Love at First Sting. Um, at that point, people start uh, complaining about the band. Um, but I think this is, a, this is very much like one of my honorable mentions, uh, which I'll mention now because it's so similar. Judas Priest kind of kind of works out this way as well, right? Um, they, they have the, the sort of last lauded commercial critical um, or, or critical success period 
uh, in that in that uh, screaming for vengeance defender sort of thing. And they're sort of participating in the hair metal thing a little bit, um, a little bit with the you know the the packaging of the look and the and the illustration and the monsters and the and and the production values are kind of getting modern. So they're not really hair metal albums, but then they have the one clear one with Turbo and it goes platinum. So they're doing well, right? Um, and then, and then they're sort of out. Uh, the the way Scorpions is is kind of out of the conversation. Although, you know, ram it down. You can consider it has some hair metal tropes still as well. But you know, it was a concerted effort to go heavy again. And then Painkiller, we're we're sort of well out of it. So so yeah, Priest is in there having the 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 even less remarkable uh, dalliance with hair metal than Scorpions. But it but it's kind of similar on a on a success level. All right, let's play our fifth selection, and we shall discuss. And this was the whole point of this episode. This is Kiss with Secretly Cruel. Take a listen. All right, so. Um, what I wanted to, to, to put in here uh, as as almost like the main point of doing this episode or what made it most interesting for me is I think Kiss is the most successful 70s band, um, uh, you know, uh, have, having this this uh, this intersectionality with hair metal, uh, but obviously not on a commercial level. I mean, basically, uh, well, well every, everybody here that we've discussed, who was my first one here? Alice Cooper. Okay, so not Alice Cooper, but Van Halen, Aerosmith, and even Scorpions are kind of more successful. Maybe not Scorpions, because the way we're going to discuss Kiss is kind of going to add up to, well, it actually does add up to Kiss even being more successful than Scorpions and certainly Priest. Um, so the interesting thing here... So yeah, not as big as Van Halen and Aerosmith with with those monster albums. But the funny thing about Kiss is that, okay, so this song was from Asylum, September 16th, 1985. But the interesting thing here is that this is the band that participates the most out of all these and the most meaningfully uh, square, you know, right on the definition of hair metal than all of these bands. So they're like just jumping right in they're they're almost more important uh in terms of uh the history and the volume of music for hair metal than they are for for whatever that you want to call what they did in the 70s right which is kind of a complicated thing it's pop it's it's image it's kind of being in metal blah 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 so the funny thing here is that so kiss sets the whole thing up so they're right in there at the very beginning um setting it up defining the whole thing with lick it up the first non-makeup album 1983 goes platinum they're back immediately with animalize in 1984 more of the same uh love you know the party songs the hair metal songs um they're they're still being pretty heavy but so was hair metal in 1984 and 1983 that goes year with Asylum, which I have a really so- real soft spot for. I really like the Asylum album. It goes gold. They're back in 87 uh, with Crazy Nights. This one goes platinum. So so they're really... The, the, the funny narrative about Kiss during this time is that they, um, you know, there's all this talk if you're like a really deep kiss fan um you know you you read along and that you you kind of get the hints that they weren't really making that much money in the 80s because um you know ticket sales were down and the shows were expensive and all this sort of stuff um 
uh, you know, videos were expensive. So, so, um, it's almost like they were, they were kind of like spending like they were bigger than they actually were, but they were actually were pretty big. So that negative narrative, uh, I'm trying to counter it here with, uh, with this pretty impressive run at being a hair metal band. So, um, the next studio album is Hot in the Shade in 1989, which goes gold, but we often forget that in between there, there was Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits, which had some new music as well on it, 1988, but it goes double platinum. So their biggest album of this entire period is actually that Hits album. Um, then what I love is they're back in 1992, so at the tail end of hair metal, they make their best album basically this entire run and they stick to their guns they're still a hair metal band which is impressive as well bob ezrin comes back and produces so 1992 we get revenge which goes gold uh and then they cap off this impressive impressive run of creativity you know creativity we are talking about kiss here it's a certain kind of creativity but let's call it let's call it quantity over quality um they cap it off with a live three which also goes gold um and i look at the track list of this and it's just this great history of how kiss uh was so important uh or or such a big participant in this hair metal thing on a live three you get um you get a mix of the songs that 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 helped create this whole thing you know it's basically kiss van halen um and Aerosmith are probably the three biggest bands and then on a, on a more obscure level you can maybe throw in led zeppelin but you get the likes of uh, Watching You, I Was Made for Loving You, Rock and Roll All Night, um, Detroit Rock City, uh, that sort of sets it up in the 70s. You get the, um, you know, the, the working to build the foundation of hair metal years with the likes of Creatures in the Night, uh, Creatures of the Night, Heavens on Fire, what else would fit in here, Lick It Up. Um, and then you, and then you get sort of the, um, you know, the celebration along the way with the likes of forever. So yeah, they're, they're big with the, with the big power ballads as well. Um, I just wanna, um, hang on. I just wanna, well, okay. So that doesn't fit because I'm getting, getting to that point. Um, but yeah, so definitely forever. I guess there's not much from, uh, from that, that middle period. And then you get a celebration of the most recent album. Um, which should be celebrated, Revenge, uh, with the likes of Unholy, I Just Wanna, Domino. Um, so they're on here as well. So yeah, what a, what a great sort of, you know, it's, uh, it's 16 tracks. It's a single CD. Um, and, uh, you know, over that period, you get this, uh, this great argument for the argument that I'm making, um, that, that, uh, that Kiss is, uh, in a way, um, Probably the most enthusiastic participant in this whole thing. Uh, just want to knock off a few honorable mentions. Boy, my episodes are getting longer and longer. Billy Idol kind of fits in this. Uh, Billy Idol, he becomes almost like this L.A. denizen. You got Re Rebel Yell, Double Platinum in 83. <coughs> Excuse me, Whiplash Smile. 86 uh, goes platinum. Charmed Life, 1990 goes platinum. And then he's off to Cyberpunk, which doesn't certify. But he's kind of in there participating. Heart, I could have included in this, and they would have been, uh, you know, considered uh, as as successful, close uh, to Aerosmith and Van Halen. Uh, but they have two non-certifying albums. Then they get Heart, 
The self-titled in 85, which goes five times platinum. Bad Animals in 87, three times platinum. Brigade, um, 1990, double platinum. So they're participating in this hair metal thing, although, you know, they're not particularly a metal band, but yeah, there's some heavy stuff on these albums. And even further down the pipeline, you've got the likes of Yes, which you could say are participating in this whole thing. Um, but you know they're they're they have they succumb to the same problem as Def Leppard and Scorpions. Uh, the follow up to the big nine zero one two five album nineteen eighty three, which is three times platinum, takes four years. Big Generator, and then it only goes platinum. So it's like this overworked, overwrought album. But it's kind of participating in this big corporate, boomy, loud music. You may as well call it hair metal or hair prog. Uh, and then you know it's another four years, uh, and you arrive at Union, and they've they've left the stage it's it does not sound like um it does not sound like big generator or 90125 uh but it goes gold um so they kind of navigate these years pretty successfully as well and and they pick up some hair metal tropes um bad company is another one uh rough diamonds in 82 the last one with paul rogers doesn't certify but then they come back with brian howe and they've got uh the likes of fame and fortune which doesn't certify in 86 so uh they're kind of late to the hair metal game but they pick up steam uh dangerous age 1988 goes gold holy water goes uh goes platinum 1990 um so you know bad company gets this second life and these are absolutely squarely hair metal albums um with with you know some of the bluesy touchstones of the past uh but still they're very very hair metal and then the even here comes trouble in 1992 goes gold um so there you go uh i wanted to leave it at that i wanted to not i i, I disciplined myself to not mention bands that are hair metal fails or hair metal skips um so i can do those other episodes um but there you go. That's the hair metal wins by 70s bands. So that's the happiest episode. And then we'll do a sad one. And, and then we'll do one that's very, very interesting. The skips one is is uh, the one I'm looking forward to, uh, I think, even more than the bad one. So uh, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to ko-fi.com uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. Uh, this week, I would like to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Lee Clifford, Monty Olson, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, and Steve Polari. Uh, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Right now, the one that's selling uh, good guns uh, is the uh, is the second panel book for Weimer. Um, we did the Cure one before, but this is called Dominance and Submission, the Bluish Cult Canon. Uh, it's doing, doing rather well. People are liking it as well. I'm starting to get the first reports in. Um, and you get that all at martinpopoff.com. There's PayPal buttons there. I sign uh, everything, ship it out of the office here. Wow, there you go. Another long episode. Um, so long that I'm not even going to give you any homework. See you next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 